Uh, hello and welcome. Today I have with me Mr. Ben. Yep. Hello everyone. <laughs> ben has been working with us for many, many years and uh, he's the wholesale manager in our company. Yep. Um, and the reason why he's joining me today is because we wanted to discuss a little bit the past year. Uh, we get a lot of questions from other roasters, other people. You know, how was 2021 for you guys? So we thought we would share a little bit our experience and talk a little bit about the industry in general. Because a lot of people also wonder where is our industry heading. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Ben. Yeah, great. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. How was your 2021 in general? Uh, it's a bit of a blur, to be honest. Yeah. It's been kind of like a roller coaster, I suppose. Um, we're getting used to these new ways of working under COVID and pandemics and yeah. lockdowns and things. And yeah, just rolling with the punches. We can't really hide the fact that COVID has been a big part of the last two years. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone can hide that. It's no. <laughs> just a uh, yeah, fact of life now. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, for uh, at least 2021, uh, the year kind of started, we were shut down in Norway for almost six months mm. from about December, I think, yeah. until, I think it was until after Easter. Yeah. Everything was shut down. Summertime and yeah. yeah, how did that affect your kind of work? Because you work with wholesale clients. Yeah, uh, obviously we work with lots of uh, restaurants and cafes here in Norway, mm. Oslo especially, and um, yeah, they were struggling, and we emphasized with them, and yeah, we were a little bit quiet on the home front, but at the same time, then we were busy with our international customers. Um, yeah. So, in many ways, uh, you know, things rolled along quite smoothly for us in general, but. Um, we did see that some of our customers were, you know, closing while others were opening, and it meant that uh, we just had to support as best as we could. Yeah, yeah. There's also a few customers who were planning on opening, who are still not open. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and that, I think that's been one positive, at least in this time, is that um, it hasn't uh, hindered everyone's hopes and plans, and uh, it's given people time to sort of sit down and. Um, plan for the future and yeah. look forward to 2022 and on and so there are lots of things coming which we're excited about. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, in general uh, we've seen here in Norway at least that there has been a shift in how people consume coffee. You yeah. know the general public uh, yeah. will normally drink most of their coffees in the office. Yeah that's true yeah. And uh, since at least half of the year has been home office we have not been allowed to go into the offices. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like uh, at least the roasters that I've been talking with, um, there are normally small roasters, they've been selling a lot more coffee to home or yeah. end consumers. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like you know we don't have to drink the so-so uh, quality coffee in the office anymore. <laughs> and then when you have an office at home, you really want to treat yourself a little bit because yeah. you can't really yeah. spend the money on the restaurant. Yeah. They're all closed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, probably people have better budgets now, uh, personally, and um, we do work with lots of offices in Oslo and Norway, so I think they have been kind of trying to sort of supply their staff with yeah. coffee, so yeah. we have done some like direct sales or sendings um, home to them, and also our web shop has just kind of gone crazy while the wholesale part sort of yeah. went that way, and then, yeah, other sort of delivery services like Amoy here in Norway, yeah. so yeah. And our subscription has really been increasing a lot for the last two years yeah, during the pandemic. True, yeah. So maybe that's just a trend that we're going to see continue. Well, hopefully. I think, you know, once people get back to the office, it's going to be quite hard to go back to 
you know, a lot of the office coffee that I drink when I'm visiting <laughs> other people's offices, it's yeah. not the greatest. Sometimes yeah. it can be really nice, mm. but um, it's hard to go back once you've kind of yeah. get, gotten used to something nice. For sure, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, we see a little trend in the supermarkets as well here in Norway. That's, I, I know because I know two roasters who are supplying supermarkets mm. with pretty high quality coffee. Yeah. And their sales have gone through the roof. Yeah. So uh, maybe, you know, it seems like people are treating themselves to a little extra. Yeah. That's mm. just a good thing, isn't it? Like, um, you know, if, if we get better quality coffee in, on the shelves of supermarkets and people can enjoy that at home, like, I think that's just positive for the industry in general. Yeah. yeah. What about wholesale? Like, uh, one of the fears that I kind of have, I'm not afraid of it, but um, I think uh, we're already seeing some people who are starting to look at coffee as a way of saving money. So what made them successful in the past yeah. by serving good coffee, now they're kind of thinking about maybe we should start buying some cheaper coffee, yeah. save money. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's got budgets and I understand like, um, you know, it has been a tough year for lots of restaurants and things. So they're trying to find ways to survive. But I mean, coffee is such a small part of their probably overall um, budget or yeah, finance in that thing and I think you know if you're just trying to save money on um, you know a little bit of the meal or the menu there like um, you're going to notice a big difference in the quality and, yeah yeah so I, th I did the calculations a couple of days ago like uh, yeah maybe you can save uh, maybe you know 10 euro cents per cup yeah not even that you know one one Norwegian crown maximum per cup you can yeah. save so, so probably holistically, that's not going to have a huge effect. No. If you're, yeah. You could just raise the price with a couple of crowns. Yeah. The prices are going up. So. Yeah. <laughs> and especially during the pandemic, things are becoming a lot more expensive. Mm. Has there been any kind of a change in the way you work with the clients and trainings and stuff? Um, yeah, there has been. Obviously, like things have had to be more remote. Um, there's been a little bit more kind of support online or just um, over the phone and yeah. email um, it's also given us a bit of time to um, I've been able to go and visit people and if they've been closed or been you know a little bit quieter we've had time to do extra trainings and mm. things like that so yeah in general like we've, we've had to sort of shut down the roastery and lab here and also because we haven't wanted to um, have too many visitors yeah just trying to protect our production and our staff here so hopefully soon we'll be able to open up and we like to get all our wholesale customers to come here, see the way we work, yeah. do tastings, trainings, and things like that. So, yeah, we've been quite restrictive. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. one person gets COVID here, it means maybe like we did have that once, and yeah. eight people went to quarantine, mm. and back then we had twelve people working here. Yeah, so we were the ones working downstairs all day long, yeah. packing, roasting, doing yeah. all this stuff. So. With a small team, we've been very careful with our like protecting our production and being yeah. able to just yeah keep teams separated and yeah. yeah. If the customer doesn't get coffee, then you know <laughs> it's not very nice. Yeah. So. But uh, it's not just uh, our kind of world that is changing. The coffee world is changing a lot as well, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one thing for sure that. Uh, it's very very obvious is there's a lot less traveling yeah and uh, that goes not just for coffee buying but it also goes for trade shows and yeah. you know going to symposiums nordic roaster hasn't happened in two years yeah that's true 
How have you found it? I think you might secretly have enjoyed that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, personally, I have, I have. I've been yeah. thinking for a long time that we are doing a little bit too much traveling, both because of uh, the environmental impact. Mm. Um, and also, I personally, I'm, you know, I don't need to go to every single trade show there is no. uh, just for the sake of going. Uh, I think it's nice to go every once in a while, but it doesn't have to be every year because yeah. um, at the end, it's just, more or less the same things You're happening. The same people and yeah, yeah. Mm. and networking. You can also do differently. You can network through, you know, online. Yeah. Uh, I for me actually, it's been much better to to be based here in Oslo. Mm. We moved our roster in 2018, and uh, since then we've kind of trying to get used to our new space. And um, there was a lot of things we needed to work on. We have yeah. been growing a lot. Yeah. So um, it's been really good to be home, to be yeah. able to be a part of top of the business things. And, yeah, yeah. It's difficult, difficult when I'm in Colombia uh, to fix things. You know, yeah. even if you can do it online. Yeah. It's... I suppose it interrupts the year a bit, but I mean, you have missed going to Origin, obviously. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that has been, I'm guessing for you, you know, like a, a challenge, but also, you know, you've probably found new solutions as well. Right? Yeah, I yeah. think for for most of the farms that we already buy from it's not been a problem at all. Yeah. Uh, they already know what to do. Yeah. They're very, very skilled people. They know what I want. Right. Yeah. So uh, every for two years now, I haven't been able to go to, to taste coffees and kind of go through their routines and everything. Mm. But uh, we, we're communicating online and um, also they're just sending samples. Yeah. So I might as well cup the coffees here. I cup them here anyway. <laughs> You've had a long relationship with lots of these guys for you know 10 plus years. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of the newer people in our stable, like uh, the Ethiopian farms, are beginning to work with. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest uh, drawback, I think. Yeah. Without being, because we we I started going to Ethiopia, I think, twenty eighteen as well. Yeah. With the purpose of trying to find a few farmers we could work directly with, and we have found some, yeah. but um, the progress there has kind of stalled a little bit because I haven't been able to go there and, and follow up. We're, we're so in much. our third year with like a. I think some of those, third or fourth yeah, season. Tatmai Chimofahem. Yeah. yeah. So still quite young and it's quite new for us. But with uh, Ethiopia, we actually cooperate with an importer named Belco, yeah. uh, who's based in France. They have an office in Ethiopia. So they're facilitating the logistics for us and yeah. also helping us be on the ground a little bit. So I just had a meeting with Jacques, who is their office manager in Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was reporting what they have been doing, and we were discussing a few things that we could improve quite easily. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to try to implement that for this harvest that's happening now. Um, and uh, we're also looking at trying to make a budget for a wet mill for Tatmara, for instance. Because yeah. two years ago, his coffee was completely destroyed by rain because <laughs> mm. he's only doing naturals. And uh, so we want to at least encourage him to be able to have a wet mill uh, so he can wash his coffee if he yeah. has you know complicated weather yeah yeah and also because we like washed coffees <laughs> i mean the potential is like you know unbelievable there so having um, i suppose like having balco and you know quality people that you don't necessarily have to go every year anyway no i don't uh, but at the start of these kind of relationships it's good to follow up quite intensely yeah just so that they understand that we mean serious business, we are committed, yeah. and um, that uh, 
they can kind of get the motivation to actually do the changes a little bit faster. I think the biggest worry now is not me not being in Ethiopia, but Ethiopia is at the moment having some quite serious internal problems. Mm. Um, So hopefully uh, that will won't escalate and peace can be maintained. But uh, (laughs) it's a bit difficult, I think. Challenges in Ethiopia and in Kenya, like. I've heard lots of people say recently, the last few years, Kenyan coffee has not been the same quality that we've come to expect. (laughs) What do you think about that? Yeah, I kind of disagree with that uh, a lot. I think the biggest threat to Kenyan coffee is the age of the farmer. Um, The average age of the farmer in Kenya is above 55 years old, I think. And there's not a lot of young people who want to take over. Mm -hmm. For a good reason. Uh, The average size of a farm in Kenya is less than half a hectare. Uh, a farm might have you know two three hundred coffee trees maximum so they harvest very little fruit they don't process their own coffee there there is great systems for you know processing and purchasing we can purchase 10 bags 20 bags 50 bags 100 bags yeah. um, we can go to Kenya and cup through thousands of coffees and find you know the very best ones so in some way it works really well but because the farmer is so small and there's some other guys that are much bigger who's controlling the markets. Yeah. So it's, it's not it's, great incentives to become a farmer in Kenya if you're... Not at all. Like, not at all. Yeah. And the economy there is growing quite fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see a lot of urbanization, young people moving to the city. Um, and that kind of leaves the farms behind. Yeah. So that's, I think, the biggest threat for coffee so, in Kenya. Is, so you haven't seen any decline in... In quality? quality. Yeah. No, I think it fluctuates from year to year. Like two years ago, they had floods and heavy rains during yeah. the harvest, mm. which made it you know, very difficult to dry the coffees, yeah. and that affected the quality. Mm. Uh, some years, they have more coffee leaf rust, coffee berry disease. Other years, they don't. Yeah. Some years, they have huge crops. Some years, they have small crops. Um, so it's not a general trend. But what about... Um, I don't think so. Variety? I mean, at least for us, the Karinga we had this year was yeah. amazing. The Gachatha was amazing. Yeah. Two of the three Karagoto lots we bought was, you know, fantastic. Kia Hia was probably my favorite coffee. Kia Hia, yeah. So yeah. this year for us, at least, it was it a was, great year. Yeah. And I think, you know, we do see a lot of roasters buying uh, ABs, which is smaller beans in yeah. Kenya. And in my experience, although they can taste similar to a double A, it's very rare that it's better. Yeah. So uh, So they're saving money maybe on buying the smaller screen size and then that's more in the market. Yeah, it's still great coffee. Yeah. Uh, But uh, at least when I cup, I normally always cup the ABs and the double A's and the pea berries of the same lot when I buy coffees. And I always prefer the double A and the pea berry and the, the AB. It's mm. normally not my favorite. Uh, so we tend to buy the double A's because they're the best. And uh, I think it's also about a little bit timing. When you go to Kenya, uh, coffees just come in yeah. as they're harvested almost. If you're there early, you might be getting very first pickings. Yeah. They might not be great. If you're there late, you might be getting the very late pickings. If you're there in the middle, you might be getting very good pickings. And so, you've talked about them opening up a bit um, as well, so like when you're making selections, you're not necessarily choosing those that are ripest and fruitiest and no. bouncing there. That you're more thinking three to six months time. Yeah, yeah, how it's going to. Yeah, it's uh, 
always when I buy Canyon coffees, I'm not evaluating uh, aroma, believe yeah. it or not, because yeah. I know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm evaluating more structure and cup, like texture and sweetness and stuff like that. So, what about cultivars and varieties and things? Though? Are they like changing in Kenya? Are we seeing yeah. more of the Batian and Ruru? Sure, yeah. you're seeing more Batian, more Ruru 11. Uh, but you're also seeing people planting more SL28. Uh, so I think it's hard to say just from having been there a couple of times in my life um, to say whether it's going up or down. It, the production is probably declining because less people want to grow coffee. Yeah. Urbanization, land is getting expensive. Uh, a lot of the farms is around Nairobi. Kiambu, Nyeri is very close to Nairobi. Mm. Uh, but we do see also new areas in Kenya where uh, new coffees are being discovered yeah. and we, we we have to acknowledge that coffee is a natural product yeah so climate change also affects the quality and uh, so we'll see if the yeah. quality is going down or not in my experience not really it's easy to buy really great coffee from Kenya uh, even in bad years yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've just been so used to Kenyan coffees being like so like far ahead of the rest almost in a way, like they're just being so aromatic, so fruity, so fantastic that, yeah. um, you know, perhaps we're getting better qualities from other origins and yeah. the gap's not so big anymore. Maybe, yeah. yeah, who knows? Yeah, But there is definitely room for improvement in Kenya, yeah. like for sure. <laughs> so that's not what I'm trying to say. It's, uh, I'm trying to, you know, also talk about Imagine if you were a farmer in Kenya and then people started saying your coffee is not good anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you have been doing the same every all all the time. Yeah. Well, maybe that's not the whole truth. <laughs> yeah. But um there's a blog post written by Christopher Ferran, um, I think, yeah. that mm -hmm. you can read about this uh, issue. It's pretty well written. Uh but it only highlights some parts of the very very complex situation. Yeah. Because uh, coffee is more than a political system. It's also a lot of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when we're talking about green production in general and talking green coffee, there's one thing that I've written down that we need to talk about that happened in 2021. Yeah. We had a frost in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that done for prices and things? So. Brazil, for those of you who don't know, but Brazil is the biggest coffee producing yeah. country in the world. Yeah by far and uh, when they have frost it means coffee trees they become brown the leaves become brown and they fall off and the fruits fall off and they don't produce yeah yeah and it takes uh, normally one to two years before they can start producing again because first they have to produce leaves then they can produce flowers and cherries, cherries yeah so um and sometimes the tree dies so they have to replant yeah. uh it depends yeah. on how severe the frost is but um so when this happened of course there's a shortage of coffee, yeah. so the prices go up. Yeah, so that affects being such a large producer. That affects like the entire market. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that sounds great, you might think. And uh, we saw last year, you know, the prices for commodity coffee. This is what we're talking about now. Yeah, prices for commodity coffee, uh, which has averaged around one dollar fifty for the last fifty years. Um, it was now slightly above two dollars per pound. Mm. And that seems big, great. Big, big jump. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if you think about the price being the same for 50 years, yeah. $2 is not a lot of yeah. money. 
In fact, prices for food here in Norway, as I think the last 50 years, have been it's mm. 10 times higher. Yeah. And salaries are 20 times higher. Yeah. So um, we're basically saying that coffee buy producers are getting the same salary as their parents did in the 1970s. Mm. That's what we're saying. Mm. So I went to Colombia uh, in November. I spoke to Elias about the because the prices there were good, you know. Yeah. Uh, and people were selling wet coffee, unried coffee, and for a higher price than if they dry their coffee themselves, because yeah. the cooperatives were just desperate to buy coffee yeah. mm. to fulfill contracts. Yeah. Um, but the problem is labor costs has gone up dramatically because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, gas prices have gone up. Yeah. And because Shipping. the oil prices uh, yeah. are more expensive, the fertilizer is more expensive. Yeah. Transportation costs are more expensive. Food is more expensive. Everywhere along the chain. Yeah. So this is the problem. And in fact, they raised the minimum wage in Colombia. Mm. And what's going to happen is, of course, the, the gain is kind of lost because of the price increase. Yeah. But what's going to happen for sure is that in two, three years, when Brazil starts producing again, the coffee prices are going down, yeah, then, but the other prices are not going down. No. So that leaves the farmers in a worse place than they were. Yeah, there's just sort of uh, a complete mercy of the market, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. We see in Norway recently, like locally, that electricity prices have, you know, um, gone up fifteen percent or something yeah. like that. And then we see immediately there's like a change to the cost of living. Uh, grocery prices, everything has happened pretty immediately. Yeah. But in the coffee world, I think for these producers, they don't reap the benefits of prices changing. Rather, you know, no. Maybe the people in between adjust that. So. We also saw, I remember last time this happened, we had like some market prices almost at $3. And uh, then coffee theft was a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> so farmers that I was buying from in El Salvador had to hire security. To yeah. protect the coffee. Yeah, so we were saying um, when uh, when the prices go up, there's also added cost in terms of security and everything. This is one of the reasons why we our prices have been the same for the last, uh, you know, many, many years for a lot of these producers that we buy from. And our average price is, you know, way above market price. The price we pay to the farmers, yeah. yeah. It's not only higher than market price for commodity. Of course, it's higher. I mean, yeah. we're not in that market. Yeah. But uh, now we have like a baseline for quality coffee, which is the co Transparency Coffee Guide. Yeah. I think the average price in 2020 for high quality coffee this there were like 350. Yeah. That's the average. Mm. And uh, our average was back then 550. Yeah. So we're already paying a lot more. Yeah. And the reason why we're doing this is because we see that it works. Like you see yeah. the investments being done on the farms that we buy from. Yeah. Exactly. Coffee gets better. At least so, directly the quality in the cup. Yeah. yeah, it does translate to quality in the cup. Yeah. So I think, you know, for uh, for the coming year uh, is the first time where uh, I'm actually going to sit down with Elias and discuss whether we need to increase the price slightly. Yeah. Because I was just there and I saw that he had to pay the workers a lot more. Yeah. Uh, the cost for fertilizer had doubled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, knowing that for me, if I want to encourage him to keep doing the same things, yeah. uh, we might look at increasing the price. But mm -hmm. we're not talking about $6 more, you know, we were talking no. maybe 50 cents more is enough. Yeah. 
So the price at the end will not necessarily be that much affected. Um, but for him, it will make a big difference. Big difference. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like any other business. If you're sure. running a business, uh, you have inflation. Yeah. Your workers want higher salary every yeah. year. Mm. Uh, cost for milk goes up, cost for electricity goes up. Yeah. So you have to increase the price gradually. Yeah. Whereas in coffee farming, this hasn't happened no. for 50 years. Yeah. So uh, it's only natural that it's That's happening. That's incredible, really. Like a dollar fifty, and then jumped to two dollars, and that's been the increase over fifty years. Yeah, yeah. it's nothing. No. And uh, you know, I get so um, I, I get uh, not angry, but I get upset yeah. with people saying that our coffee is expensive. Mm. If you calculate the price per cup, yeah, it's kind of like maybe seven crowns per cup, yeah. a euro per cup. Yeah. Where, and then you go to any bar and you pay, you know. 13 euros for a crappy glass of wine yeah. without yeah, even yeah. blinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, yeah. it's kind of the same like if you're in the gas station, people complain about the petrol price, which yeah, is yeah. you know, two euros per liter. Yeah. And then you buy a bottle of water, which is four euros per liter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose it's that immediate kind of impact, isn't it? And yeah. yeah. But we did have some other challenges when it came to production last year as well, and that was uh, shipping. Yeah. <laughs> And we were actually fortunate to kind of uh, uh, miss out on all the trouble a little bit at least, except in Kenya. We had one container, went from Kenya to the King Abdullah port in, yeah. uh, where is it, in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And it was stuck there for two months <laughs> in the port because there were no ships coming to pick up the container to ship it to Europe. Mm. And I just remember going into... Google Maps, <laughs> just checking out the port, and it's in a desert, yeah. and it's like 40 degrees yeah. at night. Yeah, well. So um, fortunately, it didn't really affect the quality of the coffee. Mm. We do vacuum packing and everything, but uh, mm. you know that that could be. Our coffee was very delayed, yeah. and the risk was that we were almost running out of coffee. Yeah, I mean, we. It's not a new thing, like delays, especially shipping delays from Ethiopia, Kenya, but. Um, I suppose with the sewers canal problem and COVID, there was uh, and there was some strikes happening. I think in ports yeah. in Europe and so everywhere, it's a problem. <laughs> it was probably just. A... And I was talking to Alex, uh, who is the green buyer and also my best friend. He's green buyer at Sobering and Hansen, and he said like to get a container from Indonesia to Europe now yeah. cost him ten thousand yeah. dollars just for the container. Yeah. And before it was fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> You're gonna see prices going up there and so yeah. on, like yeah. yeah. So there's been a lot of challenges because of the pandemic that is not necessarily directly coffee related, but that affects the coffee world a lot. And you know things like the ports, ships, containers. Yeah. We were really working hard to get our Colombian coffee shipped uh, early. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was in December, we got a container booked and then it was rescheduled, rescheduled, rescheduled. And all of a sudden it was rescheduled to be shipped in March. And we yeah. were like, then we're going to have no coffee. Yeah. So we had to really call around to different shipping companies in order to find a container. Yeah. Yeah. Any other things we need to talk about? Um, have there any, been any benefits? Of COVID? Of, um, I suppose it's forced us to kind of like... Trim the or kind of re restructure and you know um, become more efficient. Yeah. Um, work smarter. Mm. Work a little bit more digitally online. Yeah. I think, and that's just probably just accelerated what's going to 
happen anyway in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you've spent more time here in Norway, so you've been able to spend more time here in the roastery. Yeah. Those sort of small things. So have to look at the positives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for me, that's been yeah. great to be more involved in the yeah. company. Like, I've always been involved, but uh, now I can be like more on top. And now it's almost like I don't want to go away because <laughs> I <laughs> feel like get back. Yeah. I, th I think like for, for our perspective in the roastery, there's been lots of positives. Um, I really have sympathy for especially the restaurants who have had long lockdowns. Um, you know, the, the offices that have had to shut, those sort of people who have really, they've been really affected by COVID in Norway or around the world, I'm mm. guessing. Um, so in many ways, I think people are always going to keep drinking coffee and we're going to be able to find a way to meet that market. But yeah, yeah there's, there's always positives and negatives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Looking forward to hopefully getting a bit more normality and a better, you know, a better future in the next couple of years. Yeah. I think in general, uh, like you say, people have to be more efficient and think a little bit more about what they're actually doing and why they're doing it. So yeah. especially in coffee world, like it used to be a thing where people just wanted to travel just to travel, you know? Yeah. Like it's a bit more coffee tourism in a way. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, we need to get coffee people to origin to understand what's happening there, but they don't have to do it every single month. Yeah. You know, um, it's not very efficient for anyone and not for the producer or for the buyer or yeah. for the company and everything. So, yeah. and also I think, you know, for us, it's, it's because we have become more digital, it's easier to reach out to more people. Like, let's say we have an event here for 20 people, yeah. that's 20 people, but we can have easily have an online event for a thousand people mm. and, uh, have the same kind of uh, content and yeah. it can be interactive. Whereas before we we rarely thought about that, you know. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the things where we're heading. I think in twenty twenty two and the future, we are becoming more digital yeah. in our communication, trainings and events. And yeah, at least that's my wish. Yeah. And uh, I've also promised myself that I am going to start to the conversation about organic farming with the producers we're buying from in the Americas. Yeah. I'm at least going to start the conversation and yeah. then we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we've come to a point where I know that they have economic stability and uh, I know they're also, because we've been talking gradually about this for many years, mm. I know that there is a small willingness to at least try. Well, with fertilizer prices going crazy as well, like they just doubled in Norway. Yeah. Farmers here. Um, you know, the same in Colombia. Uh, opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So I already spoke to Elias about it in Colombia. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I proposed that we could take maybe two hectares and try. Um, and then we would pay for the coffee and, you know. Where does the hesitancy come from? Like, what's the main resistance from farmers to... They've always told that the production stop. goes down. Yeah. Which, obviously, it will in the beginning. But if you do proper organic farming, uh, there's no reason why it should go down. It'll come back. But the conversion time you will have a loss of production because yeah. you're trying to establish something that is not there. So they're um, living so kind of hand to mouth in a way that that's a big risk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the other thing is that there's very little know-how in the area where Elias is, for instance. Most of the agronomists work for cooperatives that are selling fertilizer or companies that are selling fertilizer. So, um, but he has actually one agronomist that he's working with uh, that actually proposed to do one round of fertilizer per year as organic mm. 
and the two other ones as the convention. Works, yeah. Obviously, that's not going to do a whole lot, but uh, at least Elias is willing to try. And in my head, then going one, maybe two, then maybe three, yeah. and then we can Starting start thinking. Yeah. yeah. So that's the that's the kind of goal. And I think at least where he has Castillo, the variety that is leaf rust resistant. Mm. Um, there's definitely potential because he doesn't yeah. have to worry about that. Spray, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I suppose if you can just uh, not so, so much educate, but I suppose like um, just learn by doing and, and seeing that, you know, you, you can get good results. Yeah. It's a way to change that. Yeah. In my, my dream would be that all our coffee is organic. Mm. Not, not for the cert sake of certification, but because I believe that's the future of farming. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there is a lot of bad organic practices, <laughs> so it needs to be. There needs to be more education around it uh, to do it properly, yeah. because then uh, mm -hmm. it could really work. I think, especially for farmers that are not, you know, huge in size. Uh, mm. So obviously, a Brazilian farm that is twenty thousand hectare, <laughs> it's a little bit different than a two hectare farm. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that's what I'm at least going to try to start pushing for. Ethiopia, the, the farms are organic, so by yeah. default, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really have to do a lot, but we're also going to propose to get some of them certified. One is already, but um, maybe Tatmara could also be, yeah. I think. Mm. It's a process and yeah. it's a cost, but uh, someone has to pay for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, that someone should be us. If we're asking for it, it should be us. Yeah. Because he's already doing it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think that's uh, kind of uh, sums up at yeah. least some of the year we had and maybe some of the future as well. Uh, personally, I loved 2021 because the coffees were great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing the quality control every Monday. So it's been a real, real treat tasting yeah. our coffees, yeah. I think, uh, this year. Um, some years are better than others, but I think, you know, the Caballero family... Oh. Los Pirineos had fantastic years. I was going to mention year. those two, like personal favorites, probably just the cutaway variety from the Caberos. Yeah. Not the most like fruity, like aromatic coffee, but just so like, uh, so, so rich and yeah. like great mouthfeel and so easy to brew as well. But, yeah. yeah. So that's been a good coffee this year, I yeah. think, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's hope 2022 has even better coffees for us. I hope so. We are getting some exciting varieties from Tamala. More on that later, I think. <laughs> Look forward to that. Yeah. Cool. That's all we had for today. And have a nice 2022. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.